Build business with passion and let data tell your story. If you are a founder having difficulties handling investors' curveball questions, or an investor wondering how to find the next golden startup deal, then this is the podcast for you. Hi, I'm Parul, your host for this episode of the Dudash Investability Podcast. Welcome. So Gonzalo is uh, my guest for today's podcast today. He's an entrepreneur with over 14 years of experience in founding and managing early stage companies, predominantly in Latin America. He's served as a startup mentor, advisor at several venture initiatives like Startup Peru, Startup Chile, Latin Ventures, and many more. He has a background in environmental studies and business. And his early career experience was also planning a sustainable car share system. And now at Arpeggio VC, he is now combining his education, values, and operational experience to create impact by investing in early stage sustainable tech companies located predominantly in South America and focused in food and agriculture industry. So thank you so much for joining me today. I know it's your morning and uh, happy to have you here, Gonzalo. Why don't you share a little bit about yourself with our audience, uh, which is predominantly founders, some angel investors, and also VCs and enthusiasts. Yeah, of course. No, thanks for, for the invite. I'm happy to be here. Um, so yeah, that was a, a great introduction, a good good summary. Um, basically, uh, today I'm an, I'm an investor through, through uh, the small and, and relatively new VC fund. Uh, but I consider myself more of an entrepreneur. I spent most of my life creating companies. Um, and j- it's just the last, you know, three years and a half, four years that I decided to switch and, and go to the other side of the table. Um, but I think that that experience as an entrepreneur has helped a lot, uh, in, in communicating with, with, with founders and in, in understanding their, their, their troubles in, in kind of, uh, having a relaxed conversation, uh, using the same terms and knowing all the difficulties that they're that many of them or you are, are, are going through when, when creating a, a venture fund. So I, that's something that, that, that we try to bring into uh, uh, Arpeggio. Um, and, and like you mentioned, we're, we're focused on, in, for, on technology for the food industry. So it, we're not necessarily a food tech or ag tech fund, uh, which may be uh, very limiting. We're looking at tech in the most open way that can help the food and agriculture um, industry in Latin America. Uh, we're investing globally, um, but but as long as these companies are focused on or active in, in the Latin American uh, food uh, value chain. Okay, gotcha. That's very, very interesting and impressive. So with your background in advertising, I know you've worked in fintech and e-commerce and logistics, and now you're an investor. So what traits or trends do you look for in an early stage company or even founders for that matter? I think you, you mentioned it really clearly. I think what you, you, so a typical investor is going to look at the market. They're going to look at the, the product or technology and they're going to look at the team and, and all due diligence will, will, will fall, you know, all questions will fall some somewhere in those three categories. Uh, but, but founders is clearly the most important when you're, when you're talking about early stage companies where there's still a lot of unknowns and where the company uh, relies a lot on these generalist founders that are, uh, that are doing a little bit of everything and getting the, 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 the company off the, the, the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, so founders is, is definitely, uh, a, a key item there. Obviously you want to have a large market, obviously, 
um, the market is the one that always wins, but you have the founders who can kind of adjust or, or, or make the, the adjustments as they go along. And, um, and when they, you know, run into a brick wall in the market, they may be able to you know, go back two steps and, and, and go around this, this obstacle. Uh, so I think founders is, is clearly, uh, a big, uh, um, you know, the biggest factor there, the most important one in early stage, uh, investing, which is what, what we do. Um, and in terms of, of the team, we do look for always a, a team. It's very difficult, I think, to, to be a successful solo founder. Um, so there must be a team, uh, usually complementary skills. So sometimes you have the, the technical, uh, you know, scientific or technical uh, founding member, and you have one that's more business focused or uh, mm -hmm. kind of runs the, 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 the operations. Um, we also look for very, um, you know, there, there's an, uh, like a confidence level in, in the way that they communicate in the way that they, that they see the world. Uh, this is kind of very, very difficult to, 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 you know, identify or to put your finger on what, what these characteristics are, but you can kind of understand, you can kind of see in the way that they, that they sell mm -hmm. their vision and their, their, their company to, to us as investors. And you, you know that they're doing the same thing with their customers that they're doing the same thing with their, their team members uh, and, and I think that persuasive talent, um, is, it's critical, especially for, for, a, I think a, a CEO position that that's going to be the, you know, the locomotive, the one that, that pulls and, and motivates and gets everybody going. So I think those are, those are some very important, uh, characteristics. Uh, ideally the team will, will, will have experience in the, in the, in the industry or in the, the problem that they're, that they're solving, not necessarily, but, but we see a lot of that. Um, and, um, um, and, and there's, there's also this factor of, of, of grit, you know, of, of being able to, to, to go through some of the difficulties that, that this requires and, and some people coming out of more comfortable, uh, corporate jobs may not always be a good fit, but, 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 uh, that's not always the case, but I think grit and, and, and kind of trying to figure out if they, they have that to, 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 to make sure they go through these obstacles, uh, along the way. I think that's a, also very important. Trait. Awesome. So we actually have a 5T model at Dudash, which you, uh, I mean, you covered the three points there. So team, and then there was technology, and then yeah. was, uh, the, which also covers the product. Then we also have timing and uh, traction yeah. and the market opportunity. So how should yeah. an agri-tech business or a food tech business define their market opportunity or their TAM, the overall, uh, uh, how, how should they go about that? I think it's, it's one of the most important things, right? Because if, I mean, one of the most important things from a, a, a VC fund perspective, because we always look for that 10 X, we always look for that yeah. fast growth. We always look for those just because of the, of the numbers and, and the risk that these funds take. So if, if you're looking for, for, to take that VC path, um, you do need to look for a large market, right? That, that, that billion dollar market. Um, mm -hmm. it makes it, it makes it less risky for, for, for an investor, uh, from an investor's point of view, because there's more space for, for competition. There's more space for, for, uh, making some mistakes perhaps, but, but having a large enough market to, to continue growing after you, 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 you look at that. So it, it's, it's very important. It's not always easy to find, uh, these large markets when, when in certain businesses within the, 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 the food category, for example. And that's, that's, that's actually a, a very important um, matter to, to consider because 
in, in our case, for example, we invest in technology companies uh, for the food industry. So we get a lot of deals that are basically food brands, you know, the new hamburger made out of uh, mushrooms, right? And they have a really good brand and they're selling, and they, they have an excellent business. And, and it might be a, a good personal investment for me or for somebody else if, if, if they're investing in that, that sort of thing. Uh, but definitely not for 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 our VC uh, fund with our with our thesis of you know exponential growth and having uh, technology be the the differentiator and, and the the um, the the help that it needs to to scale at the at the level that it that it needs um, and and so the, we tend to see a lot of of companies that are kind of hear our our feedback and then they incorporate you know technology or, or something like that or they they take feedback from 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 the money. Uh, and they kind of lose that that vision that they originally had. So not all companies uh, are are should go for for the VC model, and, and I think that's yeah. something that that people should should look at. I mean, th- there are different investors with different um, uh, strategies and different theses. So there are VC uh, funds that do invest in, in these in these companies, uh, but I think it's very important for for all founders to kind of see where they're at. And 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 if you have a mission, if you know you have a good business, and you you, you have a path, make sure you don't get, you know, deviated just to, you know, because of some feedback from, from a tech uh, investor or something that happens, that tends to happen a lot in, yeah. in, in this, in this industry. Um, but yeah, the market size is very important. I think there are very clear tendencies in, in the industry that are going, you know, they're, they're, they're um, bringing in a lot of innovators and a lot of capital to the, to the, to the industry. Um, in our case, we're, we're looking at demographic trends, like more macro, large trends, like the population growth. How are we going to feed, you know, mm-hmm. 10 billion people in, in, in you know, 25 years from now? Um, how are we going to provide meat or, or protein alternatives to, to, you know, these areas of, of, of you know, the, the, the planet that are, are beginning to consume um, higher calories and, and proteins uh, when you have certain um, restrictions in terms of, of resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also have dynamic consumer preferences, uh, like traceability, eating healthier, accessible nutrition, hyper convenience, just being able to press a button, having food delivered to your house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course the more, um, urgent things like the pandemic that, that created, uh, the necessity to, to shorten supply chains or, or for traceability and health issues along with the supply chain, all these things create a lot of uh, opportunities in an industry that's traditionally still very uh, not digital, right? Especially when we're talking about agriculture, it's very difficult to to connect that physical world to the to the digital. Uh, so there's definitely a lot to do. There are growing markets. There are there's a lot of demand. Um, uh, but it is important. Going back to your original question, it is important to find that that need, that market, um, and to test this out with 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 companies. When you know what our, our strategy we're not a big fund we're relatively small uh so our strategy is basically have a great network within the industry and have a great network with with other investors mm-hmm. and what we do with the industry partners is connect the companies that we look at uh to them if if there's a you know a, a, a seller buyer relationship mm-hmm. um and they help us kind of understand if there is actually a need if the problem that they're trying to solve is actually like a painful problem that they that they that they look at um, it's something that we do. It's something that, that we do that we help companies with, even if we don't invest in them. Um, but I think it's a great exercise that all founders have to do in any industry is just make sure you have that feedback from the market, make sure you build the product around the actual, uh, customer needs you know, and, and validate that market, uh, you know, product market fit. 
Awesome. So you mentioned you invest in tech companies and I just want to kind of go back to some of the stuff that you said earlier. So I was actually recently talking to one of the founder and he uh, is an engineer himself in agriculture and his dad was a farmer, actually a small scale farmer. And at some point in time after working, he decided to start his uh, business because he realized that at small level, the farmers had different challenges. They didn't even know what the government schemes are or how to go about the overall opportunity that's available for them having the right. So education became like one of the biggest pillars for his uh, technological platform and ensuring that they understand how to use the land properly so that they can have more crop growing, land usage becomes more and they can earn more. So at at any given point in time, the farmer also wants to get more output uh, for for the effort. So that was one thing, then the education became the second thing. And then third dimension that came with it was the, the, the usage of fertilizer and everything was making land a little bit you know, the the outcome on the land or the impact on the land was not so good. So they started educating around that. And then the dimension of soil engineering kind of uh, started to flow in that. So do you like kind of, I just want to clarify for the audiences, like what kind of tech are is Arpeggio actually looking and considering for in agriculture and food? And also from a market opportunity standpoint, or even if they're doing the business, like you mentioned, there are some like brand uh, focused uh, founders and they incorporate technology, but it's probably not needed. So what are the growth signals that a tech, uh, agri-tech entrepreneur or a food tech entrepreneur or somebody who wants to scale it? What are some of those growth signals they should consider? And uh, uh, is there any, any suggestions or some advice from your side on that? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, when we're talking about, uh, agriculture there, there's, it's a very fragmented, uh, market, right. And even geographically you have, they're very spread out and, and, uh, traditionally, at least not, not always, um, you know, the sales process traditionally in, 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 and we're talking mainly in, in Latin America is very personal It's people going to your farm and talking and, and trying a little bit here and, and then expanding that service. Um, it's very much about relationships and, and, and trust. Um, so I think when, when that company is talking about education and, and, you know, that, that part of customer success or the customer service post the, the sale, uh, is it's very, very important in, in, in agriculture when you're, when you're selling to, to farmers. Um, and, and you also have a lot of variation in the, in the, in the profile of, of each farmer, right? You have corporate farms, which are, which are very different from, you know, the family farm. Um, and, and even within, you know, family farms, uh, in different countries are very, they look very different. Um, so it's, there, it's a huge market. There's, there's a lot to do and there's a lot to do in each of these, in each of these, um, segments, uh, in, in the terms of the, the type of technology that we're looking at, um, we look at the entire value chain. So from, from farms, even, even inputs, right. To, to the farms and all the way to the, to the consumer. So when we look at farms, we, we see there's a lot of software, obviously. So things like machine vision, uh, you, you, you send a camera through the trees and they can, you know, count how many fruits or, or identify, uh, weeds in the, in the ground. So that sort of thing, like machine vision, artificial intelligence that helps with agri- uh, precision agriculture. There's a lot of, uh, physics you know, hardware, uh, to this as well. Um, 
And, um, and, and there's also some, some biotech in terms of you know, products that natural uh, biological products, um, uh, treating seeds, for example, with, with a microbiome uh, that helps them uh, depend less on external inputs like fertilizers or, or, or you know, herbicides or that, that sort of thing. Right. Um, so it's very, very, we, we're, we're, I think about 70% of what we look at has more of a software, uh, strat, more, more of a software uh, focus, very little hardware on, in our case. Um, even when it has hardware, most of the, the value is really in the software and the data. So, mm-hmm. so it's sometimes more considered uh, software. And we're also looking at, at a lot of biotech, uh, less for the farm and more mid midstream. So, you know, there's, there's some post farm solutions, for example, to extend the life of fruits. Uh, one of our portfolio companies uh, does just that they, they created, a um, they, they use, uh, our DNA technology to create a, a an enzyme cluster mm-hmm. to, to work with, you know, the, the, the natural ripening process of the fruits and, and kind of extend the life of, of the fruits. And there are products that do this already, but, but some synthetic products, mm-hmm. uh, this is a completely natural product that that's, that's doing this. And it allows, you know, companies to reduce, uh, energy costs for, for cooling during the transport or storage. Uh, it helps companies extend the life. So, so extend markets that are farther away, for example, mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, just not wasting as much, as much food. Yeah. Um, post that we're looking at some new ingredient companies that are creating ingredients for and selling to CPGs. Uh, so, um, you know, mycoproteins, so proteins based on fermentation that reduce the amount of, of salt, uh, for example, needed in, in, these, in, in final products. Right. Um, and in, um, I guess more, more downstream, so more closer to the consumer, there's, there's a lot more software basically. Um, so a lot, a lot of restaurant tech, uh, tech for retail stores, um, and that, and that sort of thing. So, and as you can see, it's, it's very, very wide, very varied in, in, in terms of, you know, solutions and, and problems that they're, they're trying to solve and, and, and technologies that they use. Uh, so it's each one probably has a different, you know, growth metrics and, and, and targets. Um, but, but, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to depend, I think a lot on, on what, what type of, um, what type of, uh, of target they have. Um, some of the, some of them are very consumer facing and, and, and you find, um, uh, a lot of, you know, typical targets like, uh, you know, the, 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 the uh, cost acquisition and lifetime value, uh, using s- similar metrics as other, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the case of SaaS, other SaaS, uh, um, businesses from, from other, um, sectors. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a very particular, it's a very particular, uh, sector with that's very, very broad really. Yeah. So what kind of documents do you expect from a due diligence standpoint? Because I know tech is a very important thing and you're probably looking for some kind of uniqueness in the tech and also business plan that it should scale and get, get you the return. And it's very fragmented from a sector standpoint. Yeah. So for a due diligence, like what kind of documents do you expect from founders to kind of prepare? And also, let's say the business is different, but their metrics could be different across. But what are some of the, let's say, common metrics uh, from your standpoint in the business mm-hmm. that you would look at? So, um, so in, in terms of metrics, I think I think revenue is is um, 
mm-hmm. is going to be the, the, the basic, but we don't, we don't necessarily in, invest in, in companies that are, um, that are, that are only generating, that are already generating revenue, right? We, there are some exceptions that we can make, uh, but, but we, we do need to see that traction. We need to see that validation. I think revenue is one of the best metrics in, in the end. Uh, I think unit economics also very important. Uh, you need to make sure that this company at scale can, can produce, right. Can, can make money. Um, when you, when you have like subsidized, uh, economics, it, it doesn't really give that much confidence. Uh, and I think both of these things are, are even more important now with, with the current situation and, and um, there, there's, there's less VC money out there in, currently. Right. And then I think it's probably in the next few months, um, less companies getting are going to get funded. Uh, it's going to become more competitive, maybe valuations that might be uh, need to be adjusted. And, and I think it's in these times, it's more important to look at the, those unit economics to have, um, you know, break even at least in, in sight. Like, you know, when, when you, if you need to, you can do that or you can extend your, your runway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think those are, those are metrics that, that could probably, you know, you can probably use along the entire uh, value chain in our case and the, the food and probably in, in most companies. Um, some R and D intense, intensive companies are, are probably farther away from that, right? We're looking at some biotech companies that are you mm-hmm. know, seven years in, they have no commercial, um, uh, you know, revenue. Wow. Uh, it's all funding and they've, you know, raised millions, uh, with the potential of, of obviously growing some, but it just takes a long time because of testing, because of testing in the fields, uh, the, you know, we have a seasonality, so we have to wait next year to, to test mm-hmm. in the field. Um, you have uh, regulations, so all those things kind of make it difficult. And we we kind of stay away from from those companies. We're not a, a you know uniquely uh, biotech specialized company uh, fund. So no, I, I get it. Like it yeah. has to be relatable to the food and agriculture. It needs so, yeah. exactly, exactly. And in, I think in terms of documents, I don't. It, it, we usually just see the, you know, the, the deck, uh, we talk to the founders in one first meeting. If, if, if we see that, that it kind of fits our, our strategy and our current portfolio status, we try to balance our portfolio in terms of technology and along the entire value chain. Mm-hmm. Um, then we go into an, a, a deeper dive when we kind of look at numbers, we look at those uh, unit economics. Uh, so it does help to have, you know, financial projections, even if we know everybody knows, you know, that their accuracy may not be the best. It's, it's good to know and go through that exercise to know how the founders are thinking about the business, how they think they're going to expand. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our cases, a lot of these companies are born in, in small markets, let's say Chile or, or Peru, Colombia. They're relatively small markets and they're going to need to expand into Mexico, maybe Brazil uh, and other countries in the region. So uh, how are you going to expand? How, are, how What's the playbook uh, to copy and paste? If you've been successful in Colombia, can you can you also replicate that in, in Mexico, for example? Um, so that's, that's, I think, an important way of, of yeah. thinking about the, yeah. Um, and, and that's about it. it in, in some cases, when, when there's a lot of tech, very specialized tech, uh, there's a technical due diligence and, and we rely a lot on our, uh, you know, network of, of experts in, in different fields that can help us get a better idea of, of the possibilities. But, but we're, willing to take more risk on, on product, um, and less on, on the teams and less on the, on the market. But I think products is a, where, where it's, it's better for us to take those, those risks. Great. That's amazing. 
So you'll, I mean, on Dudash, you get structured, uh, you know, profile of any startup. You have a secure data room where startups share. And, and it's a great thing that you said it yourself because the level one is the pitch deck, one pager and the video pitch. And if it is the right fit, then obviously you go forward where they can share their business yeah. plan, marketing plan. So that's how the progression happens. And uh, they can also share their updates with the investors. So and the monthly, quarterly updates. So it's all kind of yeah. the complete ecosystem of investor relations is in one single place, right? From yeah. deep flow to due diligence to having your portfolio into the system. And I think it's a great segue to the next question, what you said earlier in terms of go-to-market strategy today. So today, I think most of the consumers, millennials and Gen Z, they're very co conscious on one side on the sustainability aspect. And it's kind of, I'm trying to dial into the core values, which for yourself personally, and yeah. also for your fund. And at the same time, markets uh, remain price sensitive. We are also hearing the news on inflation and the downturn and everything. Yeah. And uh, in, in the entire COVID time, we've, at least here in Germany, where I'm located, we've seen that retail brands are gaining grounds in the market share as well. So some of the supermarkets here, their product base is 40% plant-based diet. They cut down the meat-based, even dairy to a large extent. It's more yeah. plant-based. Uh, that, that is how far they have gone. So how should startup think about, uh, they, they will have to stay competitive and profitable. They will have to, and then when the supermarkets come into that, so that that's going to create a very competitive field already for for some of these sustainable companies. Yeah. And uh, what do you see uh, happening in this space, and uh, how do you feel about it? I think that word space is is key there because if you you kind of put you know the the uh, you know cheap junk food up here, and then you have. Um, you know, very expensive, organic, nutritional, you know, sustainable food up there. There's this gap here, you know, with an empty space where you, you don't have, you don't have many options um, that kind of combine both that are, that are, you know, that go for that accessible nutrition space. Right. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of demand there. Uh, and I think it's, it's more, one of our, our, actually our first investment for this fund was, is a company in Mexico that's doing just that. They're looking for, to create a, uh, um, access for the general public to better for you products, uh, mm -hmm. that are not necessarily available at, at a, you know, convenient price level in supermarkets or in other, in other places. Um, in, in general terms, I don't think that that sustainability needs to be necessarily more, more expensive. Um, there's probably a, a small market for that, but, but now, you know, it, as you said, it's becoming so mainstream and, and so, almost um, like a basic necessity for, for product for companies uh, to, to have success um, that, that there are, there must be other ways to do it. And we see it all the time. Right? We were talking to a, a company in, in um, that's doing, they're, they're, they're innovating in, in the way that, that coffee is, is processed. So the coffee, everybody knows that, you know, coffee is very, very little gets to the, into the farmer's hand is very cheap. Yeah. Uh, and it becomes very, very expensive at, at retail. And in the middle, there are all these different players that, that take up most of the, those, that margin. Um, and what they're doing is, is taking, instead of having the roast be at, at the initial part, uh, they, they distribute that to, uh, almost to, to the consumer level. Um, and so 
that there's like about 70% of the, the, the value there that, that they're transferring it and moving it away. So um, they can, they can either reduce their prices because they, they're creating this efficiency in the chain or, you know, augment the, the, the amount of, 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 the, of margin that the farmers get uh, or both uh, without necessarily um, increasing prices for the, for the consumer uh, and doing this also through a very sustainable, in a very sustainable way. And, and um, so there, there are ways to, to innovate uh, along the, the, you know, in business model or, or changing things along the way that make it uh, more, more efficient uh, in general, the, the, the food industry is not so efficient, right? We, we know that at least a third of the, of the you know, food produced uh, goes, goes to waste. Yeah. Um, and, and that's just, in, in, you know, if inefficiency is going to make things a lot more, more expensive. Uh, and what technology has done in other industries is in many ways cut, cutting middlemen and, and creating more efficient markets, joining supply and demand in a more efficient manner. Uh, and that ends up reducing prices eventually. And, and, um, and hopefully doing that through, you know, with sustainable products, I think it's, it's completely possible. And I think it's, it's, um, it's, it's going to be more present in, in this industry, obviously than, than in others, right? Because it's something very personal, something that we consume and, mm-hmm. um, and the drivers are out there, uh, for companies to change. And, and that's where innovators can, can have a lot of opportunities to, to make that happen. This is very interesting because I actually heard a pitch of one of the cannabis founder and it was more from health benefits, like, you know, how uh, it, it generally, like it was from that standpoint and it's, it's education. So three years for this founder, they, it just went in education and their business model was to create the, so they, they had their own brand. So they were creating and selling from their own brand, but at the same time, it was a, uh, subcontracting for another company and they found that to be profitable for sustaining their business so far and now they want to kind of focus more because the brand awareness has increased uh, over a period of time with education so what advice would you give as an advertising founder yourself in the past for food and agriculture startups how can these innovators uh, make sure their product or their approach is known to people and uh, people realize that it's it's something new that's happening or they're trying to change a dynamic or they're trying to create new kind of technology or how can they influence the consumer behaviors? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I, I, I don't have like, um, you know, the, the, the magic formula for, for that. It, it's a lot of, of, um, um, I mean, you first have to understand who your consumer is, right? A consumer or, or, or client, right? Cause a lot of these companies are, are also B2B. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's understanding who they are, how they're communicating. There's obviously a lot of, uh, social media. There's obviously a lot of online, uh, communication going on now. Um, I think in, in any case, what, what's important is, is, is that, um, like, uh, just being authentic, uh, there, there, there's very little space, I think in today's market for, for that traditional, you know, um, greenwashing and, and, um, and having, you know, inconsistencies between what you say you are, or who, you, who you are, or what your product does versus the, the reality. And I think that's going to be, you know, more and more, more and more true as, as we, as we move along. So, um, we, we see a lot of, you know, these founders who are, um, you know, walking the talk and then they, 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 if they're, 
talking about, you know, uh, getting access to nutrition to everybody else, uh, they're following their own, you know, uh, formulas. They're, they're, they're eating healthier. They're very careful about this. And that's how most of these companies are, are, are born. Um, you also mentioned the, the, that example from the, the, the farmer, um, the family, you know, business, uh, the son has access to this knowledge and is more closely related to technology. And, uh, but they bring that, that, that know-how from, from their, their family business. So I think it, it also helps when you say, I'm, I'm a farmer, my family, I, you know, I grew up on a farm. Uh, this was created to help me and, and because of the problems that I saw here in my house. Uh, but this can help other people, you know, yeah. my neighbors and, and their neighbors and, and, and the rest of the world. So I think, I think that's, uh, that's an important issue there. Authenticity. It also helps to, to, for, for, you know, for raising funds and for, for everything, I think for, for, you know, persuasion in, in general, but I think that's, that's very important. Yeah. So somehow being connected to the problem and understanding the market and where you find uh, the right connection and storytelling is important. And also, yeah. can you be authentic about it? I think that's yeah. very important. I think authenticity and, and transparency is very, very important nowadays. And, yeah. and if, if you're not, they'll, they'll call you on it. You're, it's not mm -hmm. like, you know, you can't get away with it. Right. Uh, it's necessary. It's necessary. Yeah. So why is startup investing important for you personally? I would like you to share the moment that led you to launch this fund. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I've been involved with, with entrepreneurship for, even when I was in university, I, I, I launched, I founded the Entrepreneurs Club in, in college and, and um, I, I was a foreigner in the US so I couldn't start my own business. I was there on a student visa. Yeah. So we did everything we could to kind of do something similar but without actually starting a business. Um, I think it's, it's important. I think that's, that's where innovation happens. It's, it's the most exciting part of, I think, the, the, the business world. Um, and it's, it's just... Uh, also necessary for, for survival, right? You have corporations now looking to, to work with startups, looking to, to create their own uh, CBCs or, or, or venture hubs. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's just a very, very important to, to do. I've always been attracted to it. I've always created my own uh, companies or I've been hired by companies to create new businesses within those companies. Um, and the, I think the final thing when, in, in my last company, it was a last mile delivery uh, startup. Uh, we, we raised some money. We met with, you know, investors of all types, a lot of angels, a lot of, some, some VCs. Uh, and I really liked the, the conversations that I had with them. I really liked the, the type of questions that they, that they made. Uh, it was interesting to try to understand the, their way of thinking, which was different from, mm -hmm. from mine as an entrepreneur. Um, and so I just, I just got more curious about how these guys think, what, what are they, what are they going to ask me about? Why are they asking me about this? Why did they say no? But they said they said I had a good business, but they they were they still didn't invest. So why why is that? So all those questions got me you know reading about this, and um, and I left my last company. Uh, I, I moved. I was, I was this was in Peru. I moved to to Chile, um, and I decided to. I was between either launching a new company or launching a fund, and um, just I, I I went you know went this way <laughs> with a with a fund, um, and I decided to do it in an industry that's that was resilient in an industry that that's important for Latin America um, that could attract talent from the rest of the world to, to this region. Um, an industry where, where you're, you're kind of in the past. So, so if you know what's happened in other 
in other industry, in other sectors with technology, you have this crystal ball to see, you know, certain trends that are going to happen eventually in, in, in agriculture and in Latin America. So it gives you, I think that, that very uh, interesting perspective. And that's why we took this, this route in, in uh, investing in this region, in this uh, industry. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's fun. I mean, being an investor is having a startup is just focus on one thing and you know how you have a lot of problems investing brings other types of problems. Uh, but the fun part is being able to see, you know, talk with different companies with different founders who are experts in their own fields and, mm-hmm. and who make you think about and, and go back and, and read about new industries and new business models or new technologies that you had no idea, you know, existed. Uh, so it's very stimulating and, and you know, intellectuals, but it's a lot of fun in that sense. Um, and once they're, you know, part of the portfolio, you know, getting involved and helping them and uh, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. So I, I, I mean, it's, it's very inspiring to create the kind of impact that you have thought about. So I know startups have a vision. So as a fund, what is your vision? Where do you think you will be? What kind of an impact would you have created in Latin America in five years, both personally and as Arpeggio? Yeah. So with the fund, it's, it's um, a little bit of what I mentioned before. So right now it's our, it's the first fund. It's almost like, I would say a pilot fund, just a test the, the, the thesis and, and so far it's, it's going well. Uh, the bad thing about being a VC is that you don't necessarily know how good you are at it until, you know, 10 years from, from when you start making these investments, right. but, but things, you know, indicators are, are looking good for, for the stage that we're at. Um, uh, so, you know, our, our strategy has been becoming a, like a center figure and positioning our as a, a brand that's focused on the food industry in Latin America. And that brings a lot of companies that don't necessarily fit this type of, of technology, this type of risk, this type of, you know, venture asset class. Um, and I think there are many opportunities that, that we're seeing, you know, pass by without being able to invest in them with this thesis. So I think, you know, five years from now, or maybe, maybe a little bit more, uh, there will be opportunities for, for other types of, of uh, funds with different risk um, profiles um, and different return profiles that will fit better with, you know, companies doing hamburgers and, and doing the brands without necessarily having the technology. Um, and just the fact that, that our, that we position ourselves in the center, we get a lot of information from different players and, uh, from different types of companies. So I think there's a lot more that we can do in that sense to help founders, uh, connect with each other, connect with other investors, connect to companies to the market. Uh, and that, that's something that we're working on now and, and, and hopefully in, you know, a few months we'll have something uh, to show for that, but but it'll it'll be more resource based for for founders, and I think that's that's where where we see out by here, just strengthening our position in that in that role as as a specialist in Latin America and and for the food industry. Yeah, that's amazing. So I'm going to ask you some quick rapid fire questions now for you to answer in short sentences. Okay. So it's a little bit personal, so uh, you want to take a deep breath. Let me know when you're ready. I'm ready. All right. I'm not good at these. Okay. Let's go. So who was your childhood inspiration? Oh, well, um, I would say a lot of family members, my, my, my parents in, in a lot of ways. Um, I, I think those, those are the most important ones. I think uh, there are maybe some, some artists, you know, uh, some, uh, um, you know, musicians, but mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think it, it makes more, more, uh, of an impact uh, having your parents there and seeing different qualities. In them. I think that's a, 
That's, that's uh, the right answer, the, the, the more precise answer. Okay. So what qualities do you value most in a professional relationship? Um, so responsibility or, or being able to, to be reliable, right? So, so say doing what you say you, you will do. Okay. If you had to give an advice to young Gonzalo, what would be that one advice that you will give to him today? I would say be be bolder with with risk taking. I think I have been uh, I'm taking a lot of risk, but I, I think um, I could have been bolder in, in a few of them. Okay, amazing. So, which books are you currently reading? I'm I'm currently rereading uh, the founders Dile the founders dilemma. Yeah. Um, it's a it's great. It, it, uh, some people don't like it because it's very fact based, very textbook, but. Yeah. It's amazing. It's a great book. I think I, that's one I recommend to all founders. And uh, I'm rereading it to kind of uh, look at it now from from a, an investor's perspective. And I'm, I'm doing that with a lot of books, actually. Mm -hmm. Amazing. That that has been awesome talking to you. And um, any closing words, any advice that you'd like to give to young founders or how they can reach out to you and what should they consider when they reach out to you? Yeah, no, I think, I think, I mean, we look at, you know, companies that are in tech, um, in, in food, uh, interested in Latin America. So there's that, even if you don't think you, you apply directly to the thesis, if you want to talk, we're very, always very open to, to that. Um, the, now that we're on uh, Doodash, I think the best way is, is through Doodash where we're, um, just, you know, contact us through there. We'll, we'll, we'll send you a, probably a Calendly to, to, to schedule a call or we can, we can message through there. Um, and that's i think that's about it i think we we, we mentioned a few of the the general you know advice to make sure you have the, the right type of funding that you're looking at make sure you contact the right the type of uh, funds um be very transparent uh main you know maintain your investors or potential investors with with updates uh, i think most investors like to see you know growth in, in the last few months ideally so if you invest you need to contact somebody today make sure you keep them uh in contact and and yeah, um, that's it. Be stay stay strong through the through the hard times. Yeah, persevere. Yeah. Keep persevering. Keep persevering. <laughs> keep, uh, keep updating the investors. What whatever you're doing, so they will definitely come back to you to see a growth potential there. Thank you yeah. so much, Gonzalo, for your time today. No, thank you. Lovely talking to you, and I'm sure we'll fun. be able to find some great uh, food tech startups and uh, agriculture startups on Durash. I'm sure we will. Thank you for the invitation. You're welcome. Fundraising is an event, but what happens before and after that? Qualitative investor relations are the basis for future success. Visit dudash.com to learn more. And for more episodes, subscribe to our channel.